Great events create great brands. And it takes a village to put on an event that engages, excites, and connects audiences to your brand. And we're that village. I'm Alyssa. I'm Paulina. I'm Brock. And I'm Rachel. And you're listening to Great Events, the podcast for all people interested in events and marketing. Hey, everyone. Hope you're having a fantastic week. I'm Paulina. And I'm Rachel. Our other hosts aren't able to join us today. They've left us unchaperoned. So buckle up. (laughs) (laughs) But today on our, you know, episode, we're talking about internal events. Who doesn't love a good company-wide annual meeting, a sales kickoff, your president's club trip? And yeah, we're excited to dig into these different types of events and any kind of best practices and learnings we've experienced along the way. I think internal events is a f- interesting topic. They've been back burner for some companies or virtual during the pandemic, but for others, they're now coming back with a vengeance. Um, I know we're experiencing some of that right now. So just excited to chat through that with Paulina today, a little unscripted. So um, have fun. <laughs> Let's start with basics. Why do companies do internal events? And I know this might be a little too basic for some of our listeners, but I think it's it's helpful to note what our company's goals are, what other companies' goals are. But I think Pauline and I were just chatting about it. A lot of it comes down to what do you want your employees to experience? So whether that's informational or training, I know, Paulina, you had a couple of examples of other things that companies do in general. Exactly like you said. And and one thing that's interesting for us to think about is, you know, our employees are attendees. And sometimes you're thinking about it a little bit differently because you have a, a sort of intimate view of what their expectations are. But just like Rach was mentioning, is the purpose of the event informational exchange, training programs, onboarding, employee morale or celebration? And then, of course, you know, team building, retention. I think there's a multitude of reasons to host internal events. And, you know, I think for us, we cover the the full spectrum of, of why we host internal events. And it's interesting because, you know, part of our total event program, we think about internal and external events exclusively, but at the same time, we also assess like a tiering structure for both of those types of events, right? And so for our internal programs, we have tier one events, tier two and tier three. And the complexity of each of those is is kind of tied to that tiering structure. And, you know, tied to that is the resourcing behind it, of course, the technology behind it. So it's still a very strategic effort. Um, just because you have an internal event program does not mean it is less complex by any means. I think also just given where we are and we've had a lot of changes to our total events program in terms of format, in terms of getting real creative, <laughs> we have a couple of examples that are quite interesting. So our agility <laughs> in shifting our programs to virtual and doing things a little differently, I think we learned a lot. We've integrated a lot of really neat things into our events program that we'll probably keep, um, especially from a production lens, both from a hybrid perspective, if we continue to do those. But I think people are really excited to get back. And I think most people have virtual burnout. Most people have excitement to see each other. So it's just a really interesting time for us in the events industry of like, okay, we've already made this move with some of our programs. What's going to stay virtual? What's not? We just came off of a crazy whirlwind kickoff of the year. We have our annual kickoff every year in February. 
And normally it's a, everybody flies in, has a full week of just 15 different programs running simultaneously. It's really our top tier internal event that we do. And it's all kind of compounded into this one week of of our, our company-wide where we set our goals for the year, where our executive leadership comes through and, and, and does a lot of a solid content for what the future holds for our company, celebrates our employees with awards. And then we also have our sales kickoff and we have a divisional. So there's a lot that goes on. Paulina's team just managed most of that. So I want her to like talk through some of the things that we did that was really, really cool this year. One teeny tiny thing that like we want to make sure we drive home is that this was also a global event. So for a global organization, you know, historically we have had two separate events, one where we've live streamed to our European employees and flown most of our North America employees to our headquarters. But with the onset of hybrid and virtual, we've been able to really kind of consolidate efforts and and offer a global program experience, which was a massive undertaking. But my team worked really diligently across our global stakeholders, our global partners, and just as we would with any event, right? Any customer-facing event, any tier one or tier three event, we approached it with the mindset of, okay, here's the scope, here's the program. What tech do we need to bring that programming to life? And then a step further, is that programming live? Is it simulive? Is it Simu2 Live, which is pre-recorded, and then afterwards there is a live component. And then how do we make sure that the virtual audience and the global virtual audience is able to have sort of an equal experience that nobody's sub-optimized in their experience consuming uh, the content? So a lot of valiant efforts, and, and the team did a phenomenal job. I will say, like Rachel was alluding to earlier, the onset of virtual a lot of our team is now trained up in studio production, and our team was literally switching, queuing, calling the next segments that were happening in our live production experience. I was very lucky to be at HQ watching the team do it, cheering them on. It was it was awesome and something very uniquely different to, to years past in terms of production and, and input from our team. I think what makes this really cool is that, yes, it's so special to be in person with each other and we miss that. And and we definitely like, I can't wait to be back to some of our internal events just because a lot of the goals of internal events is some of that team building and morale and things like that. But just to echo what you were saying about making it a global event, some folks that got awards would never have gotten that recognition had it not been a global event. Just talking about the awards ceremony specifically. And and they did it in such an intimate way that it made it feel like they really got the spotlight. And even though it was virtual, we used Zoom to to highlight the winner when their name was announced and they were on the screen in front of our 4,000 plus employees. It was just really cool. I mean, I think that we use production and studio tools in a way that really, really helped, I think, call to light some of those things. And we made it interactive and we also made a lot of our sessions live. So it did feel like, okay, I'm watching this TV program on this day uh, and then I'm interacting and going into breakouts the next day. The other cool thing I would say is we used to call it lovingly Hell Week and it it has become the favorite week of the our global planning team. Don't get us wrong. This is what we do for a living. We're just organizers of chaos, right? But rather than packing it into one week and laying down on the ground at the end of 
<laughs> and the whole week, barely able to walk, we now could do it over two weeks and really maximize employees' time. So they're still kind of working, but they're also getting enough virtual content, not too much where it's all day, every day. But that's my kind of takeaway from it is just that cool factor of being able to be anywhere. So it's just changed the the way that we disseminate information. As we think about like, how do you avoid the Zoom fatigue? Like some of the, I don't want to say best practices because we ran them for the first time this year, but things that we did differently or things that we saw that made a difference, like playlists, music, like we kept it fresh. We picked fun music to play before we went live. If there was like a five minute break, we did almost like that calm app, if you will, really calming images on screen, the sound of like water trickling through a brook, you know, like trying to find different ways to sort of appease the different virtual consumption appetites. Not everyone's able to join for that happy hour experience, right? And so what we did was we had smaller meetups and team building activities that were either games like bingo or just true networking discussions and participants, you know, if they did that, they got a small reward, right? Just to kind of drive and further provide engagement on sort of a different layer. But then when you think about engagement for the actual sessions, having chat, I think was like, huge. People were firing off on all cylinders like, oh my gosh, did you see so-and-so in the background of, you know, some like funny image that was on screen or people just pumping each other up. It just felt like everyone was just hyping one another up in the chat. And it just, it feels very sort of cohesive. And that similar feeling like if you're in the auditorium or if you're in office sitting next to colleagues, like you would have leaned over and said, yeah, he totally deserved that award kind of thing. And you see that happening in the chat and it just feels a layer of authenticity. I don't know how else to describe it. At first, I was kind of like, I'm not going to do the chat. That seems weird. I'm not like a chat goer. But then you sort of feed off of everyone else's energy. And and that, I think, made a big difference for, for this year's program, having the chat functionality for sure. There's all these fun mechanisms that we use, of course, for external events that can be leveraged and have really lasting impact for employee engagement when it comes to internal programmings. One thing I do want to talk about is where the future is headed. I think we had some really great success, like making virtual events a little more human and incorporating the human element into it. And I could see there's probably two camps of people coming back, right? There's the people that are like guns blazing. Let's go. I can't wait to get back. There's the people that really like working from home, but may want to see, maybe there's three camps, <laughs> really like working from home, but really do miss their people and miss the engagement, miss the events. So, you know, how do you prepare for that in your events program? And Paulina and, and other members of the team and I have talked a lot about this because we're starting to look at, okay, are we going to actually be able to support the 250 internal events that we used to do pre, pre-pandemic? What are your thoughts, Paulina, on like what you think will happen? I know that's like million dollar question, crystal ball status, but what are you kind of feeling is going to happen? Looking into my crystal ball, aka my microphone, I think you're right. I think there's going to be this big inflection moment with the seasonality changing, springtime, lots of sunshine, people wanting to go, you know, be outdoors and okay with the the commute when the windows are down mindset, I think. I think that for us, as we think about the future, I think ROI, ROE has always been a really 
difficult topic for us to sort of broach when it comes to internal events. It's like there is return on investment because we say employees are more engaged and we have like a net promoter score, right? Our, or our survey provides feedback for benchmarking purposes. But I do think we need to be for lack of a better term, a little more cutthroat with the MRF, with our meeting request form, and see what actually makes sense to host in person versus budget perspective, what makes sense to host virtually. And I think that's going to be one of the big first steps that I think we take when we look at our roadmap. And we look at our roadmap at the beginning of the year, and then just before each quarter, I think reassess and reproject. I think we're going to be needing to kind of take a deep breath and and say, okay, this is what we've done pre-COVID. This is what we did during COVID. How do we marry these together? But also keep in mind that budgets are of concern. Time and resources are of, of concern. Of course, you know, our team is totally capable and ramped to support a huge volume of events. But when you say 250 events a year, it starts to really compound. And we have other programs that we're running too, right? So being mindful of what our, our bandwidth looks like, <laughs> I laugh because it's like we, we, we get it done either way. But the first step in terms of approaching the future is is really looking at the roadmap and saying, this can be done virtual. It doesn't have to be done in person. And this will definitely yield results if we bring people in. You know, if it's a, a morale experience, if it's a retention play, if it's something a little more riding on the sort of purpose of the event, I think we can start to to really derive strategy around it. It comes down to goals, right? And, and what your company wants to do. And obviously, companies' budgets have changed significantly. And depending on how they merge towards virtual in the pandemic or didn't, maybe they didn't and they just kept their eye on the prize. It just, it really depends. It's hard to give advice because we're kind of in the same boat as a lot of event professionals. Like we're figuring it as we go. We're not planning too far in advance, but there's smaller events on the horizon or like seem more feasible. I think it'll take a while till we start talking about the, the bigger holiday parties and things like that. But the things that are keeping the businesses on track the trainings, the team building, those sorts of things that people need more now more than ever, especially if your company is one that's gone um, incredibly remote. There are those things where you need to bring those teams together and continue that, uh, even meeting each other because <laughs> like some people haven't even met each other yet. So that's going to be huge. I'm, I made a joke to Paulina, get ready for the fire hose because I do think it's coming depending on what your company wants to do. But when you get back to the office, don't be surprised to get a few surprise events and maybe plan for that uh, in your bandwidth calculator or just plan to have some bandwidth to do surprise pop-up events. All right, Rach, let me hit you with a question. So what is your favorite or funniest internal event memory? I have been here 11 years, so <laughs> I have lots of fun memories. We have done a lot of funny types of events. We've done a lot of like random opening skits for events. I had to dance to a Bollywood uh, song one event uh, in the sales and marketing kickoff. That was a uh, quite an experience because I am the most uncoordinated person imaginable. We've had a lot of fun kind of open opening skits is like, I think would be my favorite memory. We've, we've had people wear mullets on stage. We've had boxing rings built. We've done singing competitions. We've done 
a lot of uh, funny videos and recording those with our internal employees. We don't hire actors to, <laughs> who has a budget for that when you can use your f- funny employees to do fun things. But those have been the funny things. I would say my favorite memory, though, is that feeling of coming together after the event's over and the just the raw like emotion that you feel when you're done with an event. And not just the planning team, I think just everyone that gets to be together and experience that sort of morale boost. That's my favorite part of the internal events. I think we normally, I have a tradition. I always do a champagne toast with my, with my team just to celebrate all the hard work. The funniest one was in the elevator shaft (laughs) when we drank champagne with like the five planners that had worked really hard. I still have that picture and I'll always remember that moment because it was just like, why are we in here? (laughs) Are we hiding from people? Are we really celebrating what's going on? I guess I'll have to ask the same question back to you because I had like five answers for mine. Sales kickoff has always been near and dear to my heart and our team, my team is still deeply involved in it. But to what Rachel was saying, when we do an opening skit, we leave no stone unturned. Like it is done well. It is so scripted. It's such great quality. Everyone is roaring in the audience and it just... It just is like such a fun way to kick off what is a corporate event, you know? And I think my second sort of favorite piece of internal events is that we are putting on events for like our peers and our, and our customers of these internal programs are fellow employees. We think about what would make us laugh or what would make us happy. And there's something to be said about when it's like tied sort of emotionally, you know, when the content is important to you, when the opening is funny, when the awards are emotional and and there's like a passion behind it. I think it also fills the fuel in a different way. I think also this is just like a small thing, but because we don't hire actors, you get to see people outside of this sort of Zoom screen, if you will. And, you know, if you've had the luxury of meeting people before in office, you kind of know the office persona. But then knowing that, you know, someone can just crush a musical performance or do some stand up or just show a different side of themselves. It just, like I said, draws on this energy that I think is just uniquely different than sort of external events that are a little more polished in a more corporate kind of way, if you will, or professional kind of way. I think there's like a a layer of fun with internal events that you can lean into. I think it's always so funny. Uh, just one thing that you noted that struck a funny bone is like, how the hell do you get someone to raise their hand and say, I'm an opera singer or whatever their secret hidden talent is, right? And we we send surveys, we send Slack announcements to our company and say, hey, if you have a hidden talent, let us know. And we've had some really funny ones come through. We had a magician. A balloon artist. (laughs) I just find that so awesome that people are willing to raise their hands and say, hey, I can do this weird hidden talent uh, and I'm willing to perform it for 4,000 people at our company event. So there are ways to get it. I know sometimes it's hard to get people to raise their hands, but since we've created that culture here, it's, uh, it's become like a fun little tradition that we get a lot of our employees to, to get involved. We're kind of at time here, but I've had so much fun chatting with just my just my rage today. The other two were missed. It's been fun. And so let's just give one takeaway and then we'll leave the listeners um, alone and uh, we'll be back next week with chaperones. Don't worry. <laughs> so Paulina, what's your one takeaway for internal events for the year? I want to focus on as you look at your total event program and then specifically internal events same mindset that you would with an external event. Not every event has to be virtual. Not every event has to be in person. I think we've learned that pretty significantly. But when this inflection point happens, 
going forward. Stick to your guns on this. Make sure you can make the business case for why someone needs to fly in. And this will significantly help your budget management and road mapping process going forward by understanding the real goals of your internal events. Mine would be one just added tidbit is talk to your company, you know, whether it's management, travel team, procurement, whoever in operations, maybe even finance, whoever in your organization is making the decision to either return to office, change the scope of who comes to office, talk to them about what their goals are for the future to so that you can better plan for your internal events. And then we also talk to our travel team about doing a comfortability survey of what people are comfortable with. Are they comfortable traveling to an event? They might not be, but they might be hungry too. So it's just, once you have the data, I think it can really help you plan for the rest of the year and then hopefully plan for 2023 that knock on wood, we're able to do more in person. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Great Events, a podcast by CBUM. If you want more resources on how to make your events great, go to community That's community.cvent.com. Or if you've got a question for us or just want to say hi, email us at greatevents at cvent.com.